Welcome to Empower Humans. Welcome again to the Empower Humans podcast. This is episode 143 today with Heath Armstrong. We had such an amazing interview and we talked about all kinds of things. He's a creative entrepreneur and author and uh, he just shared all kinds of stuff about a really interesting uh, life story, exploration and being able to connect with nature and just a lot of really beautiful things to really uplift and enlighten you. I'm not even going to try to do it justice by explaining too much here. I think you need to just jump right into the interview and uh, you'll enjoy it. But before we do that, I just want to remind you, as always, you are absolutely priceless. That's right. I said you, and I'm referring to anyone and everyone listening to this on an individual level. You all by yourself are absolutely priceless. You're above the monetary riches or you know systems and nonsense of this world. Truthfully, the riches are found in you. And don't let anything else, anyone else, any circumstance, anything in, in this world convince you uh, of some delusion otherwise, because it is just that. It's a delusion. If you think anything less, then you are priceless. So remember that. And also remember, you're never alone. Uh, lots of people are going through all kinds of things. And uh, whatever you're going through, I honor and support and love you. And uh, there's just tons of love and support from the universe and natural ways and from all of us to you as an individual. So you are never alone. And of course, you're priceless. And I want to remind you of our challenges. Study. I always say start studying if you haven't been. Uh, no day like today to start a new habit. Uh, keep studying if you have been. But there's all kinds of resources. I've been talking about these apps, Libby and Hoopla Digital, that connect to the local library systems. And you can just uh, go Find whatever resonates with you. Uh, I like to study, for the most part, nonfiction kinds of stuff, but also fiction, whatever stimulates your mind and kind of just helps you get back in tune. Because, again, we're like instruments. We get out of tune. Uh, whatever analogies you'd like to use, there's all kinds of little things we can do, but we just need to get back in tune with the right energy and harmony with ourselves, those around us, the people we love, and with the universe. And having our own kind of individual study, even if that's 10 minutes a day, uh, it's amazing what 10 minutes can do. You know, it takes five or 10 minutes to tune a guitar at the most and uh, it can wail for hours on stage or you know through your headphones or other things like that so let's let's keep ourselves in tune for the benefit of ourselves and those around us our, our second challenge is make great moments I love spending time with the people that matter to me. I got my boys around a lot. They're 11 and 9 at this point. Uh, Matthew just turned 9. And uh, we do Legos and we watch certain things together and we go swimming. And uh, Sean and I went riding bikes the other day. Uh, he had a hard time. We were going uphill and I kind of felt a little bad. But I was like, well, we do this again and again a few times before you know it. You'll be able to do it without thinking. Uh, <laughs> I was that way when I was 11. Uh, but make great moments. Surprise love. Spend time with the people that matter most. Those are the building blocks of making great moments my friends and uh, reach out for ideas reach out if you need anything uh, if you're feeling down whatever it is info at empowerhumans.com at empower101 on instagram and twitter and of course last but not least our last challenge let's keep doing this podcast together i'm seriously grateful to bring to you this interview today i'm actually really grateful and proud of uh, what we went over here i just want to jump right in so without further ado let's go here we are with heath armstrong let's go we are excited and privileged to welcome our friend Heath Armstrong, who is a creative entrepreneur and author and a bunch of other things. How are you doing today, Heath? You're coming to us from Nashville, right? <laughs> I am. I'm actually in a high rise, which is not usually my element. I'm looking at like the whole city from the top of the tallest building that sort of just universally fell into my lap when I was thinking about how I needed a creative space to be productive. And usually I'm at the forest or by a waterfall or something. So it's been a, an interesting transition, but it's cool. It's, it's nice. Yeah. Well, it helps to be above everything in some ways too sometimes, but get a little variety. So uh, 
Nashville's a nice city. How long have you been there? Because you were telling me you were in Oregon uh, up until very recently. We've been trying to do this podcast for a couple months, so here we are. <laughs> Glad we could finally do it. Uh, you just barely in Nashville. Yeah. Yeah, just in and out. I'm, I'm building out a, a sprinter van. I really put a lot of value in putting myself into uncomfortable situations and never-ending exploration. And it feels like the right next step to sort of do that, to, to work on writing and creativity. And, and I was in Oregon for about five years, but it was really just a base. I was also traveling the world a lot. I went to about 20 different countries. And given I, I think we're, you're, you're a little older than me, I think. What are you, are you 40? Is that right? 40? Yep, 40. I think I remember you saying you were born in 1980 and you had the same birthday as Macaulay Culkin at some point. Um, <laughs> yes. Which is cool. Congratulations on that. That's pretty cool. Congratulations I'm, to I'm him 35. Too. Yeah, right. Macaulay's 40 yeah, as well. That's a good way to look at it. Yeah. And so I didn't travel or do anything outside of like the, I, I grew up in a town in Tennessee, but we never went anywhere or did anything until I was about, 28. So the last five years have really felt like a completely different life. And I'm very grateful to have been able to push myself into that exploratory uh, side of life when I felt like I didn't think it was possible, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. And so you have actually quite a story and I've, you know, you sent me some material and I've looked into some of this, but I'd love to hear it from your own mouth. What, <laughs> tell me about your story with the things you'd like to touch on as especially pertinent to bringing you to what you're doing now. Um, what, what would you like to share about your story, the past? <laughs> There's a lot of different angles. I can dive into who I've been and, and who I am now. I, I think it's important to remember, like we're all born in, to this world where we come through our, our mother's magical portal uh, as these pure sort of creative beings that have big eyes and you know, big exploratory means. And throughout growing up and I think with just all of the different ways media works and then like education and traditions through your parents or, or politics or religion or whatever, we get all these layers slapped upon us that sort of teach us who we should be and what we should be doing. Um, I went through that like everyone really does. And then I think there was a point where I started realizing that that person that I felt like I was on a shell was not, it wasn't in alignment with who I came to this earth to be essentially. Since I was a child, I, not to go too much into like history of that kind of thing, but I, I always mm -hmm. felt a little different as in I, I had this, I'm, I'm highly empathetic and it's usually, most females are really empathetic. There's, there's a lot of males are too, but for me, like, I feel like I'm extremely sensitive. It doesn't matter if I'm doing like plant medicine or, or taking like a, a walk outside. Like I'm very sensitive to all the elements and awareness and stuff. And I was always noticing like kind of stepping in and out of the spiritual world. And, and it felt like things were playing with me, whatever you want to call those things. I don't know. Um, but I felt like I had other, uh, things accompanying me and, and talking to me or uh, communicating with me in ways that it didn't seem normal for everybody else to be able to interact with and see. Uh, mm -hmm. But because I didn't know that it was normal, I, I really went down a path of trying to numb myself from all of it as opposed to explore it. And, and in that path, I ended up, yeah, I went to school for like concrete construction. I worked in that industry for 10 years and, and I got really depressed. I got really sick 
I got really numb. I was addicted to a bunch of things. Uh, I was, I was really having a hard time. I mean, if you, if you get to a point in life where you have been paying attention so little that you don't realize you have a job, you hate a, a relationship, you don't want a, a body that you're not happy with. And you're addicted to a bunch of things to provide you with thrills. So you f- can really forget about your lack of sustainable happiness, or you're, you're addicted to making more money so you can buy things that you don't need to impress people that you don't even really like, then I think you're kind of ripe for a a sledgehammer from the universe or a a rock bottom moment or a transition or an opportunity. And to answer your question, like for me, that came in the form of several different things that happened. But the one that really started it all out was a, uh, I woke up from like a blackout rampage and it, I do actually remember it pretty well, oddly enough, because it was so it was such a transition for me, but I woke up face down with my pants, mostly down in my garage, uh, in a residential neighborhood. And my car was actually running in the front yard. Like you could smell the gas fumes. It was still running, had no recollection of what I'd been doing, where I had been. I thought I was this happy person working in this job. Actually, at that point I was working for $13 an hour in a, a concrete factory that created receptacles to carry human feces underground. And, uh, I'm a very creative person. And like, you can imagine when you're creative and you're not doing stuff with your creativity, how it can turn into a lot of suppressed emotions and things. But I remember, you know, my nose had been bleeding all over the, the step, this wooden step that was going into the, the garage door, like, uh, that went into the house essentially. Yeah. And my dogs were just sitting there staring at me. And it was the first time I was like, I have no, I have no capacity to, to move forward like this. Like I'm going to die if I don't make changes. And there were, there was a time that was about two, 2009 was about, so that was 2011 ish, 2009. I got on an airplane to go to Houston for a job interview to work on oil riggers. This was right when I got out of college Mm. and this crazy, this stranger got on a plane and he looked. I was such an asshole back then. Like I just judged everyone. I think it's really hard to think for Mm -hmm. people. So we judge instead. (laughs) And I was like that. And this guy got on a plane, ended up changing my life forever. Had no idea what was going to happen at the moment. But basically he sat next to me. I was like thinking in my head, please do not sit next to me because he scared the hell out of me. He had all (laughs) these brands. He had this like giant beard. He smelled really bad. And he was like, brother, can I sit there? And I was like, no, oh gosh, yes, because you're a man and I'm not, you know, like (laughs) I can't know. Yeah, you have to sit down. Like he just forced his way in there. And I, you know, I was just like this, I couldn't, it, it happened for a reason. It was an angelic experience for me. He sat down and he was like, uh, this was precursor. Remember like two years before the face down, he was like, yeah, where are you going? And I told him and, and he asked me one specific question and he was like, Oh, that's cool. Oil rigger. Interesting. So do you love it? <laughs> and I was like, what? Like, do I love it? No one had ever asked me that question before. Like it was all about <laughs> get a job, get status, make money, buy things you don't need, et cetera. Yeah. And I was like, love it. What do you, who are you like to ask me that? And it really hit me hard man, it hit me really hard. And I started talking to him more and more. And this guy had been, he had just gotten extradited from Rwanda where he was imprisoned for like four months, every single day, Uh, they would come pick him up, take him to the prison. They couldn't hold him overnight because of something with NATO or like the something to do with the ambassadors. I'm not sure, but he was, 
he moved to Africa when he was really young. He actually grew up in Tennessee and he was fighting for gender equality. And like he lived with the tribes and he had Rasta, like real Rastas protecting him. And he started showing me pictures of like these huts and like black mambas that he had chopped the head off of with a, with a machete. And like, it was the most movie-esque thing, but it was like the first time I had engaged with somebody in real life who was like an Indiana Jones. I was like, (laughs) who is this dude? And this can't be real. I continue to try to judge him and make sense of it by thinking it was fake, but it, it wasn't right. And um, he just yeah. simply changed everything for me by asking me that question. And then he said, give me your address. And then he gave me a couple of uh, necklaces that were made out of paper beads that really you could tell. I mean, it, they were heavy, high quality that, that they would make out there to bring back to the States and sell to celebrity markets, essentially to raise money to go back and like drill water lines and things like that for the villages and for these women who were victims of the genocide. And uh, I gave him some donation for that. And I remember that because I was like, I'm going to give these to my mother and my sisters for like Christmas. These are like, they, they're meaningful. This means a lot. It's, it's, it felt like I had some sort of like purpose to play into that. But um, anyway, he, he, he sent me a book in the mail like a couple weeks later and it was called No More Mondays. And it was by his father, whose name is Dan Miller, who's actually a pretty large podcaster and self-help guy, author. He has a podcast called 40 Days to the Work You Love. Uh, his son's name, the guy that was on the plane is Jared Gaza. He's now one of my best friends today, but it was this weird seven years between the time that I met him and the time that I actually made my like huge transition where I, I numbed myself thinking about how I could be doing something like that, but I did not know how to do it. So that's what led me to waking up face down, pants down. But I kept thinking throughout that journey, like, how am I going to make this change? And in 2014, I had another rock bottom moment that essentially transitioned into, um, me not being able to go any farther with it and, and, and having to reach out for help, which was the first time I'd ever done that. And the help that showed up was quite miraculous. Um, and that's what kind of started my journey away from that, that alcohol drug addicts, you know, depressed dude into this sort of exploratory person that I've become this creative, uh, maniac, as you could say. Yeah. Well, you use that word in the title of your book, uh, by the way, sweet ass affirmations and journals, motivation for your creative maniac mind, uh, which is, I could tell you're an edgy dude and I can appreciate that. You know, I've worked with, being a musician, I've worked with people who uh, live on the edge a little bit sometimes. <laughs> and, uh, and, and as I look at your story too, and I appreciate you opening up and explaining some of this, Heath. Um, I mean, I see things in what you sent me about being an ex-gangster rapper spoken word poet uh also uh summited the world's largest freestanding volcano survived rafting the nile river witnessed exorcisms in indonesia fall in love with the culture and experience of east african digital education for children what about all that stuff or anything in between do you want to share any stories from any of those from the gangster rapper to being in africa and the nile river and all these various (laughs) things you've done (laughs) because i don't even know where to go with it you've got so many like wide oh man Connecting the dots is, is interesting. When I, when I was in that area, like that realm of not knowing who I was, I definitely had attempted to become a rapper, which is, I know it sounds so ridiculous. And I was making music in this just ridiculous gangster rap that even if I listen to it now, I'm so disappointed in like the, 
the type of messages that I was consciously putting out. But now I can look back on that and say, oh, like that has evolved into some really like conscious, good spoken word poetry stuff that I do throughout my work and my writing that that has impacted thousands of people uh, to do better. Like, I don't want to say to do better, to explore themselves deeper in a way. Um, I all of those things that you just mentioned were stemming off the back of me making one, sending one message to a woman named Amber Vilhauer after I realized I couldn't go any farther. And her actually, she was, I had listened to her on like a podcast. It was the first time I'd actually ever listened to a podcast. It was Mm -hmm. 2014. It was like February 11th, actually, uh, or (laughs) February 13th, 2014. And it was the first time I asked for help. And she responded to me and was like, uh, I didn't expect her to reply. This woman was like running a company. She, I just thought for some reason, my intuition was like, send her a message, send her a message. And I didn't even know how to follow my intuition then, but I did. And she replied with, uh, can I call you? Like, can I just talk to you? And she never, she didn't have to do that. Right. And like, it was another one of those experiences. Like, why is this person wanting to help me? And she called me and just, she shut down all my bullshit excuses of why I wasn't taking action and why I wasn't creating the life that I loved. And she didn't, say that it wasn't possible. She didn't tell me that it, it was, it was ridiculous for me to think I could have a better life or anything like positive or super negative. She, she basically just told me, uh, she asked me a question. She said, okay, so if you want this life where you can travel the world and like create your own businesses or whatever, like, how are you going to do it? And I didn't know the answer to the question, but she was like, okay, so if you don't know the answer, you have to ask other people how they do it that are doing it. And that's Mm -hmm. why I started interviewing people. Like I reached out, I I was so scared to do it, but that's when I started my process of traveling around and actually asking people who were successful, what they were doing and how they were doing it. And that led to a podcast as well. That led to her introducing me to Hal Elrod, who is a, you know, international bestselling author of the miracle morning and, Mm. um, that morning routine process being implemented into my life. It, it led me into this, this lifestyle of, creating a routine and then studying all these amazing things that whatever success means to you is, you know, is, um, what they were doing and how they were applying it to their personal life and then being able to build business or creative lives off of that. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I've, I've had a lot. I think if I look back on this wild journey of, of starting to interview people and then actually getting out of my job, you know, in these factories and working in the construction industry and, and actually creating a business after, I mean, I counted, I had 17 different jobs that I had and I tried to start two or th- uh, two different companies that failed before I got a third one that kind of worked before I got to a fourth one that actually allowed me to quit my career and I sold everything I had and I moved across the country and I fully went into this exploration of the unknown and the mystery. And uh, yeah, I was able to do crazy things like create six figure month businesses from a kid who was making $13 an hour. That's insane. Mm -hmm. And then I was able to do even more amazing things like lose all of those businesses and, and lose myself and lose people that were in my life. And it it sent me through this like heavy uh, parade of, of the contemplation of, of death and how life really isn't about what happens to you. Right. It's not about the beauty that happens to you. And it's not about the bullshit that happens. Life is about, how you choose to react when it happens. So in this battle for our happiness and our freedom and our purpose, there is a force that lurks to cripple our creative process and our progress. And I don't know, Phil, like with every moment, 
you have to make a decision to work towards the life you dream of creating or a decision to suppress that life you dream of creating. And it all happens within your reaction and your surrender. So when these, these forces that we were talking about earlier, like resistance, gremlins, or stress or anxiety or fear, they, they kind of sneak up to suppress our, our, our motivation or leave us in a, uh, an anxious mood or a flood of binging on the couch watching Netflix or slaying buckets of fried chicken to some Jerry Springer reruns. We have to be able to identify how severe that comforting situation actually is and then make a decision to slaughter those gremlins and, and, and work towards something that really matters, like the magic that lights us up or gives us purpose or makes us want to shake our booty like Richard Simmons does in his, his YouTube videos. Right. So <laughs> I got yeah. some weird stuff happened. Like as I started interviewing people, I, I wind up, you know, I, I sold everything I had. I moved to the Northwest. I wind up in this winery one day that the, my girlfriend at the time was working at. And these people showed up and they're like, Hey, yeah, we, uh, we're actually stopping here before we go to Africa. <laughs> and I was like, wow, Wait, really, where are you going in Africa? And, and they were like, yeah, we're going to Uganda. We work with this school and like, do you want to go? And I just laughed because like, they didn't really know how, how sp sporadic of a person I had become at that. They didn't know me at all. Right. And I was like, yeah, actually I do want to go. And they were like <laughs> thinking in their heads, we asked so many people that question and nobody ever actually follows through with it, but everyone kind of smiles and nods. Well, I went. You know, I, I stuck to it and kept reaching out to him and I went to Africa and, and I started really exploring that it's like full circle from the guy on the plane in 2009, right? With Jared, like I end up at this school and I, and I end up discovering how much I thought I was going to go there and be able to help, but really I was going there to get help myself, right? It was like, mm -hmm. I was going there to learn how to love again, to learn how empathy works again, to learn how the Western world is just a small fraction of an illusion compared to everywhere else in the world. And that deep cultural experiences are really the best form of education and the best form of a relationship and love building, honestly. And as I came back with duffel bags full of these, this same type of jewelry that they were all the women, the mothers from the school were making that I was working with. Mm. Uh, and it was just this weird, like transformational tornado of like, wow, vision to reality. I was on a plane, you know, eight years ago with this guy and he seemed so crazy that he had been in Africa doing all this stuff. And now I'm coming back probably sitting next to someone I could be sharing my story with of how I'm coming back and I'm doing these things. And it's like, wow, it felt so weird to understand and see a lot of that stuff come to fruition. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. While I was there, I rafted the Nile. I, I don't know the, the being on Mount Rainier and having a climbing partner fall into a crevasse and, and almost die and being like in a, <laughs> in the middle of a glacier, like with, an island and you're, I'm face down holding this guy's weight while he's hanging in a crevasse and somebody else is trying to, to rig up a pulley to pull him out. Like, I think all of these experiences that are really extreme, if you think about it, they don't really feel that more extreme than the severity of the situation of me laying, you know, face down on my garage floor. Um, that was real. That was real fear because it's like that, that comfort level that we are told to get into, that's the most dangerous thing in the world because it's not allowing you to explore. It's not allowing you to create. And you're just sort of like, Oh, I'm okay with this. And this is how it's going to be. And that can lead to some really severe situations for sure. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, that's incredible. All that stuff is incredible. Some of it reminds me a little bit of the movie uh, Yes Man with Jim Carrey, where you like you want to come to Africa, <laughs> and you just said yes, and then you uh, ended up going there. But um, and then good things happen for you in the process, just like in the movie. Uh, spoiler alert. But anyway, uh, interesting. Yeah, stuff. I haven't seen it, but I obviously love him. <laughs> yeah, everyone loves Jim Carrey, right? And by the way, he's one he's on my vision board of people I'd love to get on the podcast. So when he when he's on, I'll call you. <laughs> um, anyway, yeah, that would be incredible. I he's a fascinating dude. Uh I mean, we could go off on tangent with Jim Carrey, but um I was always <laughs> I was always class clown and stuff in school, and so in some ways I relate to Jim on that level, but but just his whole thing and this is a good time to probably talk about because a lot of things jim he's spoken at uh, college graduations and stuff and he talks all about visualizing and like he wrote himself a check for 20 million dollars that he was going to get paid for a movie Mm -hmm. and finally you know when he did ace ventura he made all these guys tons of money i think he made about 300 grand which is you know a few bucks but anyway he finally got exactly 20 million dollars when he made the movie the cable guy and uh but he wrote himself this check that he carried around uh everywhere do you want to there's a whole bunch of places i want to go with everything you said we may not touch on all of it but i know that you talk about vision to reality and in light of jim carrey's story and tons of other people Uh, enlighten us about turning visions to reality and that whole process and is it real some people sit back on their couch watching the netflix like you say no i just i'd rather watch netflix i don't believe in that hokey nonsense what insights do you have heath yeah, this is. I watch a lot of Jim Carrey old videos on like YouTube of when he was younger doing things on like sideshows. You know, it's incredible what he's yeah. gone through with his transformation. So like every time he talks, I listen really closely. Like, whoa, he's on a plane. You know, he's out there on this like really important plane. Um, yeah. Vision to reality is a. It's so a lot of the stuff I've done with my work and writing and creating these these sweet ass affirmation decks started because I. I was working around all these concrete construction people and these like just job sites. There's nothing wrong with that workforce, right? Like it's great. It's a money hustle. It's, it's a means that you have to uh, put food on your plate. Like we all have to remember that we're not always out looking or searching for a job that we'll love more. Sometimes it's about bringing more love to the jobs and the stuff that we're already doing. But, you know, I'm on these job sites. There's people up on bridges throwing bottles of piss down at me. I'm thinking like, how did I get here? And how do I go somewhere else? And then as I started making my transformation, but I had not left my job yet, I'm trying to have conversations with people around me, especially like males too, because they're a lot less likely to dive into that woo world, that vision to reality world. They have more of a realistic side. And, and I was trying to figure out ways to bridge the gap of that conversation um, to allow them to understand that this woo-woo world really does work. This vision to reality thing really does work if you remember to take action. Now, affirming something, obviously, is the process of really feeling what it's like to have a vision and, and, and saying it out loud over and over again and, and convincing your mind that this stuff is real. Like I do vision mantras every single day. I have a vision board. I speak to myself out loud, the scenario that I want to bring into my life, uh, who I am, who's around me. What does it feel like? What are the descriptions? Because you have to get your emotions evolved because your emotions are what remind your brain and your subconscious brain to help you make decisions when you're not thinking about it consciously in alignment with your visions and your goals. Like the more you're reminding yourself of this stuff, 
when you do remember, the more your brain is going to help you make those decisions to move towards your visions and your dreams when you don't remember. And it all comes down to taking action. I mean, I think all of us are creatively explosive like supernovas, right? We're playing connected dots with the stars. We're, we're chewing up asteroids for breakfast. And when we create, we are really triggering infinite galactic parties of, of stardust shooters and, and cosmo champagnes and extraterrestrial creative bong rips. And it's like, <laughs> how, do we, how do we remember that at all times? Like, it's not going to be sitting in a concrete box thinking, oh, I wish my life was better in this way, or I wish somebody would just give me a break or this. It's by taking your shoes off and, you know, ripping your clothes off and running like a loony maniac through the woods and climbing up an apple tree in the middle of a rainstorm and, and swinging down into the, the mud, the creative like elixir of, of earth and remembering like you are of nature, like you are of love, you are the trees, you are the birds, you are the sky. So you have infinite potential and unlimited opportunity to become whatever you want to become. It's just a matter of how dedicated you are to doing it. Mm -hmm. Situations can make it really hard for people. Everyone has a different deck of cards. Some people start with a much better deck, right? And much better hand. Um, but it doesn't mean that every single person in whatever situation you're in cannot make some progress towards what you want. And I think th the most direct thing anyone could do is create a vision of what you want and that means what the easiest way to do that is making a big list of what you don't want, right? These are all the things I don't want. So like, what's the opposite of this? And then when you have an idea of who you want to become and who you want to surround yourself with and what you want to do for a living and how you want to bring money into your life, it usually all boils down to what excites you, right? And if yeah. you can follow this, this bliss of what excites you, then it gets a little bit easier to uh, get lost in that. And sometimes creating opportunity for making money pops up in that realm. But you have to basically get a note card and think about your vision. And every day, just write down every morning, just wake up, <laughs> sit down, pull your note card out, re review your vision and write down two things you're going to do that day to move towards it. I don't care how small they are. Of course, the bigger they are, the more quickly you're going to move towards your vision. But like, it's all baby steps, man. It's like, I got a note card out every single day for years. And mm. I wrote down my vision on one side of who I wanted to be. And at that point it was, I want to be locate or I, I would write, I am location independent. I work for myself independently. Mm. And then on the back card, I would write down two things that I was going to do that day to move towards that, whether it be find someone who's doing it and ask them questions about how they're doing it or, you know, do write, write a chapter of a book or try to try to make a business. Like in some way, there was a lot of different stuff that I was doing, but 90% of it didn't work out. But if you're doing something consistently every single day, eventually you're going to hit stuff that sticks. Uh, Joseph Campbell, uh, you big, I think Joseph Campbell is an incredible dude to always quote or bring up. But mm -hmm. when I was reaching out and trying to find things that were going to make all of this really complicated stuff that we've done in our lives, trying to figure out how to make it simple, you know, cause like when did complicate or when did simple get so complicated? Uh, one of the most powerful things I remembered was something Dave Lent taught me. And he's a incredible videographer who he interviewed guys like BB King, Stephen Tobolowsky, Carlos Santana. This was the dude who was the first person they ever let into San Quentin prison with a video camera. And somebody actually got stabbed 
in front of his camera. And then it was a big PBS blow up documentary after that. Wow. Dave <laughs> has been a pretty big mentor to me. And he said something to me from Joseph Campbell one time. He said, he said, Heath, like I was complaining about my job or something and like not knowing how to make money to get out of it. And he's like, just stop worrying about all that. Love your money hustles. Love these things you're doing because if you're spending other time in your day doing things that you love anyways, you're going to be much happier regardless. But if you remember every day to follow your bliss in at least some fraction of a way, that thing that truly electrifies you, four things will automatically happen. You put yourself in the path of good luck. Mm -hmm. You meet the people that you want to know. Doors open where there weren't doors before and doors open for you that wouldn't open for anybody else. And I wrote those four things down on my wall. It was just like, it was just this constant reminder of like, oh, this just means that if you take action and you're taking action in alignment with your vision, then doors and opportunities are going to open, right? Instead of looking at everything as resistance or as fear, you look at it as an opportunity and you say, yes, like Jim Carrey, like, yes, mm -hmm. yes, I am going to explore this. I am going to talk to this person that I thought was giving me the, like, the, the, I'm, I'm extremely introverted. So whenever someone tries to talk to me, I'm like, uh, like, no, don't do it. It, it. Although most people listening to me might not think that, but, um, yeah, <laughs> it was about exploration. It was like, yeah, you have to continuously explore the unknown and take action. And that's, that's what's the action is what makes all the difference. Yeah, for sure. That's uh, that's very powerful stuff. A lot of real depth and substance to that. I, uh, you know, it occurs to me too, Heath, as I, you know, we have a thing on our website and stuff, but I've talked about this before with people that our minds are kind of like a garden and just like a garden in this world that, you know, there's weeds and you have to, you know, fertilize and water and nurture whatever you're growing and things. And it's real important to, to pick the right seeds to grow in your limited space garden. And uh, so as we talk about this, I know it sounds like I'm going off a tangent, but I'm coming back around to what you just said. Uh, what about those people of which I think more people are this way than not, where it's like, okay, that's for others. That's for guys like Jeff Bezos and uh, Elon Musk and uh, whoever else, Heath. It's for guys like Heath, but not, not guys and gals like me. Um, what is it about letting these things in our garden? How can we weed our garden to, you know, for, <laughs> to go deep on the analogy, to, to prepare fertile soil for this change of direction to turn the corner and actually go over to this place of vision to reality, because some people just build this wall around themselves that that's not for me and, and thereby in prison and limit their, the scope of their potential. What, what do you have to say to those sorts of people or that uh, analogy, assuming it makes some sense? <laughs> yeah, no, it makes total sense. Uh, it's, it's really easy for us to create a lot of weeds, Right. A lot of weeds that we think are part of our garden. Yeah. And most of that goes back to what I was originally saying with these layers that are piled upon us since we were children. A lot of it isn't us. It's people around us and their negative attitudes and negative things you're picking up from doing these things that everyone else is doing. I mean, we're all sensitive beings. And the more we're around toxic things, the more we're going to act the part on our own. Every single person has something that they love deeply. Every single person has something that they care about. It's how do you spend more time with that thing and how do you remove the space between you and it? And a lot of that comes down to minimalism, not necessarily just in physical form, but it comes down to eliminating distractions in life. Like yeah. 
when things get crazy and when you feel that way, when you feel like, oh, I'm not good enough to do this, or you're making these excuses, it's legitimate resistance gremlins that are partying all over your brain, right? Like you have to, I, I mean, this is what I, I had to actually take resistance and fear and personify it as a gremlin so that I could remember that it wasn't part of me. It was something different. Resistance gremlins and, and fear gremlins and procrastination gremlins and, and hesitation gremlins, they come at you to try to keep you from being creative because creativity is the death of all of those things. And that all comes down to just taking action. Like, How can you break your habit of hesitation? How can you minimize the distractions and the toxic people that are around you? I mean, you, obviously, one path is to stay away from toxic people that might drown you out of your higher vibrational state. And I had to yeah. do that. I removed every single person from my life that I was hanging out with, best friends, family members. It was the hardest thing in the world. You feel outcasted. You feel like no one, everyone's like, you're crazy for doing this. You should never give up this job. Like what, you don't want to go to the bar and pound beers again. You're too good for us. And it's not that because now that I have become who I am, all of those people that were worth it, that really cared about me, had adjusted and had come back into my life and have been of incredible support. And many of them have made, you know, you never know who you're going to inspire to make changes themselves for the better. A lot of people just need permission. They need to hear one person say something and it clicks and they're like, oh, oh my gosh. You know, all of us have a unique approach and voice that has to be shared because we all appeal to other specific people that are sort of, um, you know, there are some people that you read and you listen to that you relate with and other people that you don't, even though they might be sharing similar messages. It's important for us all to remember that. Um, we have magic doing cartwheels inside of our gut, you know, waiting on our permission to come out and play. And it's, if we have this doubt that's, that's choking us, we have to release it because it's yeah. attempting to sabotage our creativity. You got to kick those resistance gremlins in the teeth because most of the things that we worry about will never happen. And by worrying about them, we're just giving them power over us. So take that small step, even when people are telling you you can, even when you feel, when you're telling yourself that you can't. Remember that that's, that's something else that's wanting to stop you from being creative. And um, be happy, even when the cookie monster steals your cookies, you know, like drink, drink those libations of high vibrations. And another part of that, I think, just quickly that has really helped me is going out in nature, um, nature can really knock down your barriers very quickly. Going out on a hike for one day. I mean, trees really do suck negativity out of your body. And if you can take your shoes off and stand outside on the earth for a little bit, because before concrete jungles and, and rubber shoes and sterile hospital delivery rooms and carpets and paints and plastic bottles and cubicles, you know, our ancestors were evolving and surviving over millions of years in, correct, in, in direct contact with the earth, essentially. And we have lost that. We've lost that sense. I mean, when you are contacting the earth, you are absorbing this electromagnetic field and you're absorbing antioxidants yeah. and yeah. vitamins and critical aminos and, and dense nutrition through these soils and the sunlight and the natural water sources yeah. mentally, spiritually. Physically, there's a reason why you get bigger ideas when you're outside swimming in the ocean. There's a reason why your body feels better after you camp and sleep on the ground at night than it does in your cozy bed up yes. in a high rise, right? Mm -hmm. So the more you spend time with the elements, like get in that water and then get out and then feel the wind and how it reacts off your skin once you're wet. 
and then go sit by that fire and let it warm you up to see how it can help dry your body off and then allow that fire to be your partner in creating a meal that's going to go into your body. And then as you're eating that meal, think about how beautiful all of the energy that was involved in creating that meal and bringing it to your mouth was because we forget, you know, the more you can bring awareness to all your situations. I, I drink a glass of water and, and like, I try my best to remember every time, like, wow, where did this water come from? Who was involved in transporting it? You know? And like, I'm so grateful to have this help my organs function so that I can keep moving so that I can wake up tomorrow. It's like, we just get so consumed by, all of these distractions that are designed to knock us off of our focus in just a couple seconds. If we can break hesitation and then also remember the magic of every moment and the magic of all of these things, we're talking through these microphones across the country from each other and others are listening to that, that are connecting and, and this message is being transported. I mean, it is a form of time travel. All of this is pretty magical, you know? So it's like, I, I just try to, focus. I try to focus around all that stuff. And, and of course we have, I'm not, I'm not sugarcoating. Like I have very strong browts, uh, doubts and depressions. Like I go through periods of days where I feel really sick and I feel really down, but I, in those moments, I still remember like, it's going to come back. Like the sun is going to rise. I'm going to feel better again. I have to process whatever this is in me that makes me feel this way. And the only way to do it is to feel it. It's to yeah. feel the pain. It's to go in nature. It's to feel uncomfortable. And that's how it releases. You can't hold it in. You can't suppress it because that's how you end up, you know, face down, pants down in the bushes. And that's not going to get you anywhere. Mm. Yeah. Real powerful. I mean, for, you were talking at first about uh, other people and, and as difficult as that is finding the people that are vibrating, so to speak, on the level that you want to be. And, you know, that reminds me when I started music, my first drum teacher said, if you're going to go play in bands, find musicians who are better than you and they'll make you better. Obviously, they're not all going to be drummers like I was that, you know, you want better guitarists and singers and whatever you're doing in, in music and that play, or whether it's sports or or whatever the things that you do. So you find people with similar, let's say, gardens in their minds to the kind of garden that uh, that you're trying to cultivate and uh, and thereby that kind of rubs off on you with that that mindset that habit those uh, approaches to life it sounds like i uh you know and, and i talked to this person this week about this you know another podcast we're doing one of the things she pointed out that's just very simple but very profound is that suffering is optional <laughs> and i and that just hit me so hard that <laughs> anything can happen. I mean, she'd lost her husband five days after she got married. Uh, he died and mm. all these like real awful things, just like people have unique things in their lives that happen. I could tell my stories and you could tell even more of yours, but uh, the suffering aspect is optional and it's okay to go through the suffering. That's part of the, it's just like if we're lifting weights to build our muscles, that's all part of the process, the suffering, but it's like, what is the purpose? Let's find purpose in the suffering and, and let's not live there forever. Like, okay, now I got to wallow. Like in her case, she went on for five years after that, like feeling like she was just doomed because these awful things had happened. I don't mean to digress too much, but um, so I love it. 
Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I love when about- you go on your, your rampages, man. It's cool. To, <laughs> it's kind of surreal to be talking to you because I've been listening and it's like that's awesome. not responding. And this is the first time I've been able to respond, but it's, it's cool. I love, I think you should do more of that actually. <laughs> I like that you call it a rampage. And, uh, you know, speaking of rampages, you talked about resistance and perspective and all these things. You have this, this book that we touched on, uh, sweet ass affirmations and journals, motivation for your creative maniac mind. Uh, first of all, amazing title. And where do we get, when you talk about sweet ass affirmations, what, what do we mean by that? Uh, give me some examples and, or how do we apply that? How does the average Joe in this world or, or Sally or whatever names we want to give, how do we cultivate these sweet ass affirmations to, to, uh, <laughs> to uh, make our garden fertile soil for positive things in our world, so to speak? Yeah. So the, the sweet ass affirmations is a, it was a a download that kind of came to my head that sounded crazy, but the, I don't know what the universe just kept saying, like, you have to make this, it's a deck of cards essentially. And they're made to be quick reminders of your magic. Like we were just talking about, like with all in the world where all of these things are built to knock you off of your focus in just a few seconds, why are there not more things that help remind you? And so the project was heavily around, I was going through some stuff, man. I, I like, I built that business that was selling millions online and then I lost all of it. And in the process realized that like making that much money actually doesn't make you happy at all. I mean, it wasn't any more happy than I was at $13 an hour in a factory mm. um, because money only makes you more of who you are. Yes. And if you're still a, a wreck inside, if you're, if you're suffering inside, even if you have money, like it's just going to allow you to, it's just, numb yourself more with fancier things, right? Like if you're a big hearted philanthropist and you're doing things to change the world, money obviously allows you to help more people on a larger scale. Um, and then if you're an, a raging maniac asshole who likes to do a bunch of like blow off the back of a toilet at a fight people in the parking lot of a restaurant, then you're probably going to just be doing that at nicer restaurants and driving like a nicer truck as you peel out into the street. Um, <laughs> and I, I started like realizing that I, I was jotting all these notes down to myself of like, so that I could keep myself sane when I was having problems. It was like just little reminders. Right. And then I was like, Oh, I should make these into a deck of cards because people could actually put the cards all over the place and then find them when they least expected it or whatever, and then get a little reminder or they could share them with family and friends. And I had used some affirmation decks before, but they were too woo for me. They were like, it was all just so positive. And, and the message was like, I got to make this one that actually brings realism into the affirmation world. And so I launched it on Kickstarter. And now I've actually just finished a second deck that's coming out on Kickstarter again. That, that was 2018. When we made the first one. But um, an example, like you ask, is I have, I just pulled one from the deck now and I'll read it so that people can understand. The front of this card says, I blast past my limitations and milk the opportunity. And it's got a picture of a goat with big, you know, uh, udders hanging down. And the back of the card is really a burst of motivation. And it's supposed to be in alignment. It's, it's sort of like the universe talking to you in, in regards to the affirmation on the front. So like with the affirmation, you could read it. 
you could repeat it in your head. Like I was talking about earlier, you read it out loud, you really get into it. You feel what it's like to become one with the affirmation. Then you are giving your dreams permission to become reality. You're giving your mind permission to help you make decisions that are going to become in alignment with that affirmation. But on the back of each card is, is this kind of burst of motivation, which is more of like a jet pack. Um, and it's just a message from the universe to merge your mind with that affirmation and to help you sort of let it seep in and, and can, kind of give you a little, there's a lot of deep humor in it. There's a lot of dry humor. There's a lot of, there's some profanity mixed into this deck, but the back of this card says, uh, and this is just one that I, I randomly drew because I don't know. It's funny that intuitively, <laughs> this is what was supposed to be said here, I guess. Yes. If you dwell inside your comfort zone, you become a slave to self-imposed limitations. Resistance gremlins love to see you limit yourself through fear doubt and Jerry Springer worthy baby mama drama. But as soon as you create habits and take action to support your dreams, you blast through your self-imposed limitations and you enter the infinite realm of opportunity. If you milk that opportunity rather than conform like a boob of limitation, <laughs> nothing can stop you from success, prosperity, and abundance. So pass the milk, please. Wow. So yeah, they're just like quick, fun little hammers and um yeah they're they're, it's like it's been a really cool project it's been something that i obviously every time i make something i'm like uh you mentioned journals earlier like the first thing i ever made was a journal for people to help them i I basically took all the habits that uh people that i interviewed were doing and i put them into a system that you can use ampm because that's what helped me make my transformation and uh after that i was like when I was putting that out, I was like, nobody's ever going to want this. No one's going to, this is stupid. Like everyone's going to judge me or whatever. Cause that, that never goes away. You have to remember like that fear and stuff, it never goes away. It's always going to try. You have to get really good at ignoring it and, and breaking your habit of hesitating. Cause the more you're able to break your habit of hesitation and just take action, the easier it is to bring all these things to life. So when yeah. I put this first deck out, it was, yeah, it was scary, man. It was like, I had no clue anyone was going to help fund the Kickstarter. I tried my best to do everything I could to get it out there. And yeah, we raised like 10 grand printed 2000 decks and that was the start. And I think there's probably about uh, 6,500, 7,000 decks floating around the world now, which is really cool. And people are tagging me all the time. And it's like that, Oh, this is real abundance. It's not making millions reselling sports and outdoor gear online. It's, it's the people's stories that contact me and are like, Hey, your journal or or this deck, like it helps remind me every day to be a better person. And by the way, I quit my job and I started this nonprofit helping kids with down syndrome in Chattanooga because my son was born with down syndrome and I never expected that to happen to me. And then it did. And it's the most beautiful thing that could have ever happened. And it set me on this incredible journey that I would have never expected was for me. And like, when I hear stuff like that, it's like, Oh, it's this connect the dot domino effect that we're all just trying to share. It's what you do every day, Phil. It's like you're sharing through the microphone. People are hearing it. You may not get messages every day from people, but it is affecting, it is getting in. And I mean, it's impacted me obviously. And then I'm impacting other people and then they're impacting other people. And it's like, all of us are in this together. How can we do more of sharing and collaborating and just, and trying to, trying to, to defeat resistance and, and fear because they have no power over us. They really don't. 
Yeah. Well, anything only has the power that we give it, to be honest. And I appreciate And it's funny that you brought out that card because that was one of the things I was going to touch on because some of the material you sent me, you, you mentioned that concept of the opportunity and the boob of limitation. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, some people might say, oh, that's a little too edgy for me. and That's fine. But let's at least look past some of the edgy language to the, the the real deep message of it. And I can appreciate past the milk at the end, which really makes a lot of sense. And, <laughs> but um, boy, there's a lot of places we could go. And I, one of the things that I know that you talk about is um, because in the past, obviously you spent a lot of time with sounds like from what you were saying with substances and, and, you know, from alcohol and drugs and things, uh, how do we find a way to get high in life without that stuff? Uh, sometimes people use those things for different reasons, whether it's an escape or a numbing or all of the above and more. Um, but how do we, uh, and I'm not saying people should or shouldn't, I'm not, I'm not going to go that place. There are some certain, certainly studies and things that show some adverse health effects in a lot of areas of that stuff. But how do we, if for those who don't want to engage in that at all, or maybe want to cut back on some of the use of, of substances. Um, what insights do you have as far as, okay, let's get high in a more natural way. <laughs> yeah, this is something I've actually studied deeply because it's, it's really important to me. I mean, I think a lot of people turn to drugs and alcohol to, for an experience that they, that they trigger. Right. But the high that these drugs trigger actually doesn't come from the drug. It comes from what the drug does to you internally. So it's really the experience is actually coming internally from your body anyway. So I started looking like, what are these methods that we can do without using substances externally? What can we do that starts internally that actually helps expand our creativity and helps us release, release emotional blockages and, and really discover who we are um, I mean, I had this crazy thing happen to me and breathwork is one of the big ones where I, I had all these health long chronic stomach issues or lifelong chronic health issues yeah. with my stomach, health long yeah. chronic stomach. <laughs> and I, um, yeah, I ended up like doing some small breathwork stuff with people and like really realizing like, wow, this is making me feel really intense. And it, breathwork can be anything from like deep breathing for a couple minutes. I mean, it could just be three deep breaths, right? Breathwork is a whole scale of things all the way to this thing that I did down in Nicaragua in the jungle where I was with 75 other people. And I was doing this two hour breathwork session where it was the first time I realized like, Whoa, your breath can actually take you to a much deeper psychedelic portal than any substance that you could ever consume. Um, you know, when you do it that intensely, like your body really does cripple up and you go into this trance like lucid state and you can access all of these traumas and things. I mean, people around me were screaming, people were crying, people were uh, throwing up, laughing hysterically, peeing their pants. Uh, I was kind of just in the middle of all of it, like in this weird stuck trance of, but when, when I came out of this breathwork ceremony, some really crazy things happened. I, I guess they happened in it, but uh, I could never eat spicy food in my life and I couldn't drink carbonation and I couldn't burp. And this one experience of two hours of breathwork I came out of it. And now to this day, since that moment, I can eat the spiciest food. I mean, I'm talking like I was in Bulgaria doing like hot pepper tasting. Like I can eat the spiciest food. I can burp for the first <laughs> time in my life, which has been the most relieving thing ever for somebody who was always bloated. Right. I, I just thought that was normal yeah. and I can drink carbonation. And it's like, when I realized, 
oh, like these blockages can be like your breath is the most important thing ever. Like if you're anxious, look up at the ceiling and breathe. You try try to, to take yourself serious and, and depressed looking up at the ceiling and breathing. Just try it. I tr- Anyone out here next time you're feeling or do it right now, like it's really hard. You can't, it's like, there's something about looking up and doing it. It's incredible. Um, but I went down this path of like, I'm going to start studying what are all these different methods for ways to get high and to open up channels without doing drugs. And if anyone wants to go deeper into that, you can go to my website. I have a whole giant article with like 30 different ways, more extensive descriptions, but I'll just list some of them out that I think that really kind of helped me. Meditation is an obvious one, but you can go really deep with different types of meditation. Sound bowls and sound baths have been a, a huge one for me. Uh, because of the frequency of sound, like you're a musician and drums, especially like shamanic drumming and gongs, man. Oh, gongs, didgeridoos. I love those yeah. flutes, <laughs> chimes, like being in sort of like a native ceremonial circle. And I've actually been honored enough to sit and learn a lot from Mayan oracles and around the Mount Shasta area and then traveling into Mexico and sitting with um, indigenous tribes and like going through the sacred fire ceremonies and stuff and into Mezcal sweat lodges and things. These are all completely sobering events that will make you feel connected to something way, way deeper ancestral than you would have ever imagined. But the weird thing about it is it feels so familiar. It feels like you've been there before. It's where you came from, right? It's like, Oh, this is what we've forgotten. We're this, this giant species with amnesia. Um, mm. But yeah, that breath work, you can even do something really simple, like stare at your pencil for, get a pencil out and just stare at it really closely for a couple minutes. That will send you into a different state, right? It will send you into thinking differently. And this is what we're trying to accomplish. Um, wow. Deprivation tanks, which are basically float tanks. There's other more extreme stuff like, like skydiving. Uh, sex is really an incredible avenue to do all of these things. And people can, I, I, I the only thing I want to say about that is like, do not feel ashamed to explore that in whatever realm you've always wanted to explore, because there is somebody there that will, that will support you in doing that. Despite how culture has sort of put a lot of boundaries around it to make it feel shameful. Uh, if you can work through those, those blockages that you have and really explore these things that interest you, it's going to open you up creatively and it's going to release so much pain and anxiety and fear. And you're going to realize the benefit of using sexual energy for creativity. I mean, you can, I interviewed these, this couple that were doctors many years ago. They were the first people that kind of opened my eyes to this. And they had some very specific things that they would do. Like they would, when they were, they were married and they were having sex with each other and like in their orgasmic process, they would stop and like start like writing their notes and whatever came to them in the process. And I was like, what? That sounds crazy or whatever. Um, but I think Kundalini and all these things, like if you learn how to use that sexual energy to recirculate it through your body and put that energy into other areas of your life, it can be really, really powerful. Um, and then of course, like tribal things, like just acting like a wild animal outside running around like crazy, like in the woods with your shoes off can make it feel real psychedelic and get you really high. Cold water therapy is a massive one for me. Um, cold plunges. Wim Hof is a great person to follow for that. Uh, learning how to just do these. It's so good for your body too. And your immune response. Um, but there's so many other on the list, like body immersion, gua sha, like find acupuncture, 
um, not everything has to cost money, right? Living and learning how to li- live in a flow state, like you were talking about earlier, is is one of the most psychedelic things you can do. And that comes down to just practicing in every moment how to be thankful for what's around you and what's supporting you. Like, oh, here's a tree. Wow, that's a beautiful tree. You know, like, well, I wonder how long this tree's been here. How old is this tree? Like, wh- how did the seed get in this particular spot? And it's like just following that path of your mind of asking questions and being exploratory is always going to help you expand your mind and get high and, and be more creative. Um, and as far as removing things, the process of just eliminating distractions, I think, uh, is one of the greatest things you can do to get high. Like I, I have never been, I remember when I went through the process of selling everything I owned, I got rid of 1,761 items that I had owned in my house. And that's crazy. I had five fish tanks. I had like five televisions in this four bedroom house that I lived in by myself. And like, I remember how hard it was to start going through things and get rid of it. But then as I started doing it and I would take a picture of the things I got rid of that day. And I did this game where it was like on day one, I got rid of one things on day two, I got rid of two things day three, three things. And I logged all of it of what I was getting rid of by like day five or six, you get so addicted to, to clearing clutter that it's like, it becomes this crazy high. Um, and then I think the last one I would just say for now, it it would be the thing that has probably, I would say contributed the most to me feeling really good and oxytocin and high. And, and it's just being of service to others and giving, uh, not expecting anything in return, removing all expectations of your interactions with people and places and things, creativities. If you're creating because you love creating, it's so much different and so much more satisfying than creating because you're trying to make something you think other people will like. If you're helping someone because you just truly love to help and you want to be of service and you understand how important it is for us all to get help and not doing it because you want that person to owe you a favor two days later or to buy you a beer later, you know, then it's something really, really magical that happens with the universe. It's like, it comes and wraps all of its starry constellation arms around you and protects you. And, and abundance really does start to show up in so many different ways that you could never imagine. So uh, if anything else, just start being of service and start asking people what you can do to help them and don't expect anything in return. And that alone will send you into a whole new world of, of true, I think, true sustainable happiness. Yeah, really, really, really good stuff right there. And thank you for sharing all that. And when you say be of service, it reminds me too, I was looking up the word deserve recently and the the etymology of the word literally means of service. Deserving is being of service. In Spanish, de means of. Really? It's a Latin root. Yeah, that's literally the roots. Look it up. I, uh, that's, that's cool. <laughs> and so I thought, okay, that's a really uh, good point. It, there's a whole thing. I was talking to someone a while back in the podcast, just about breathing in general. Like there's such a deep, profound yet again, some of the deepest things are the simplest things. Breathing is all in all a simple thing, but we don't just breathe in. In other words, in life in general, it's not just all about what's coming to me, what's coming to me. We have to breathe out too. And so it's this give and take constantly. We're given to the trees so they can breathe and they're given to us so we can breathe. You talk about how how we can be grateful and friendly with the tree. And all this natural stuff is what we've gotten away from so much, especially in Western society and culture. And, you know, 
the other day I was eating an apple and I'm sitting there thinking, okay, there's all this synthetic processed fake food that I also eat sometimes. And, you know, if there was like a Nabisco synthetic apple that tasted anything like a real apple, everyone would go in droves to just do that. And yet they, the real apple that just grows on a tree naturally, that's relatively cheap and easy to get. A lot of times people set that aside so they can go buy the you know, no offense, Nabisco, the Nabisco, whatever, Triscuit crackers or something <laughs> instead. Uh, and there's good things and all that. But the point being, there's something to be said for really appreciating the real depth of nature and the natural sphere around us. And again, I'm rampaging again, but <laughs> a lot of good stuff that you should get there. And I think the title of the podcast needs to just be how to burp. Cause that was one of the things you said that you learned throughout. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> Uh, they might get some good listens. Yeah, there. yeah. Be like, what's this about? That's a form of passing energy, right? That's a, <laughs> it's a that's a form of purging, which I've learned very in depthly in some pretty, I mean, intense situations with, yeah, plant medicine and, and yeah, yeah. It, burping is a form of purging. So if you're not, if you're holding everything in, it's just sort of like a metaphor for. <laughs> For, yeah. for not releasing this stuff out of your body that needs to release so for you to be able to make space. And I love mm. your rampages, man. I really, I really do. And I love I, yours. I you should... <laughs> we're going well, to have to do yeah. more of this creative dilemma. <laughs> yes. Too many rampages today. It's my, my boys love that movie, by the way, the new one that came out with the, the rock Dwayne Johnson. Anyway, side note, but in closing, I'd love to keep going, going, going for hours and hours. And that's why we might have to do more sequels down the road. But, um, heroes do you have heroes in your life you've mentioned some people along the way as we've talked today uh heroes that have inspired and enlightened you whether people you've known not known dead or alive who are your heroes heath that's a really good question (laughs) i like i like that question um right now one of my you can call them whatever you want like teacher wisdom elder hero uh, I've been really learning a lot from a beautiful soul named Tot Eric. He's a Mayan Oracle. He has an incredible story. And I just through universal synchronicity, I mean, legit like triple numbers everywhere leading me. Like I actually was invited the first time I met him, I was invited to this ceremony out in Mount Shasta. It was mid last year. And my friend, Olivia, who's another one of my heroes that I was going to mention because she is just the embodiment of earth in a woman. And like, I, I can't even explain. She, she's just, there's no one else I could ever imagine being around that could make someone and everyone feel so welcomed and loved like she does. And that's something I want to continue to learn, you know? And, and so she's a hero for that, but she's, she invited me to this because she's been learning a lot from Todd Eric. And, and I, was like, ah, you know, I was in a bind with the, the economic collapse and I was having money issues and stuff. And, and she was like, well, the deposit to like come to this thing, it was 11 days and, you know, you're staying in legitimate teepees. And, um, I, I had been studying a lot of Mayan astrology and it was really interesting to have the chance to, or I guess it was like really vision to reality showing up in your life, right? Like now I have this chance to go learn from someone who's like a, a wisdom keeper in the bloodline of, of this, that would be incredible. And she was like, yeah, the deposit's $750, you know? And I was like, oh, it's going to be really hard. And I just remember saying to her, why don't we both just meditate on like that just showing up from the universe for me today? <laughs> she was like, okay, I'll do it. And then in in about two hours, I get this text message from my mom that was like, hey, this random 
uh, check just showed up at the house for you from the state of Oregon. And it was like a tax refund from two years ago that I had no idea anything about. And it was for $750 exact. And I was like, Oh my God, you know, like this, this is me. This is the universe saying you're going and this is your path. Right. And you have to pay attention to that. And I've had so many experiences like that synchronicities in my life in the past three or four years Mm. that they show up in my head and then they physically appear. And they're all so specific that I can't ignore them. And so I know that there's something greater working. I know that there's something that's guiding me. Um, That was just one thing. And that's not even the craziest of those stories. I have other ones that are way crazier and synchronistic, but um, Todd wow. Eric is, I, I don't, I have a call with him tomorrow night. Actually, he's, I'm learning this whole sacred, um, he's basically taking us through the, the, the 20 different Noels or day Lords of the Mayan calendar. And, and I'm learning the, the architecture of every human role, essentially within the beautiful thing about Mayan wisdom is they, they live so intensely with nature and with the cycle of the planets and, um, every single day in a mind calendar has a specific purpose for what you should be doing with your energy. Mm. And that is something that we don't do in the Western world. And like, there are days where you celebrate ancestors and there are days when you don't do anything except for sit there and feel into yourself and meditate. And then there are days where you praise and you plant seeds and you, there are days when you water those seeds, you know, and it's like this whole, that that's physical and mental stuff. Right. And so like, I think he has been probably the biggest hero to me, and I could see he probably has been in different lives, you know, and, and it's just showing up right now to teach me what I need in this moment to move forward. Mm. Thank you. Thank you for sharing all that. The interesting thing about your story with the check too, is if you really kind of dig a little deeper there, the reality of the depth of knowledge, if you, for, if you will, that the universe has is so deep and, and let's pretend for a second. I don't even want to pretend, but Everything you said, let's just say it's all true. This is like a legit universe synchronicity thing. All the wheels had to be in motion before you even put that intention out into the world that day because the check had to be mailed and all the energies had to align for that moment to then manifest something to you to then say, look, you asked for something, here it is. But guess what? I had a head start. So who the hell do you think you are? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, you're so right, dude. That's so crazy. Yeah, you're right. Like the check was in the mail before you even had that thought. <laughs> so, and, and yeah. I think that's, maybe we'll call the episode that the checks in the mail, learn how to burp. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> That'll be the subtitle. Anyway, <laughs> good stuff, man. Really, uh, really, really good stuff. And I love talking to you. We need to, when you come out to Vegas or I'm in Nashville or you go back to Oregon or somehow we meet up in Uganda, we got to get together. Uh, but, oh, yeah. <laughs> Let's keep uh, the wheels turning here. Do you have any final thoughts as we wrap up, my friend? No, I, I think just covered a lot. <laughs> I'll roll. Uh, yeah, I'll roll. I'll roll a little. This is the thought that I've been working on in my head, and it's it's actually a little bit of spoken word, but it's a quick message that I think is important um, about just like giving anyone advice because. I think really the only thing that I know is that I don't know anything. And I've learned that over and over again in this process of surrendering and letting go. I mean, life really is just a, a giant series of letting go until the greatest let go of all. So like, what can we laugh with? What can we love with? Where can we dance? You know, where can we celebrate? But I just say like, don't, don't listen, don't listen to, to what people tell you, like go outside, run around in your undies, play with the, the, the triangle balls or the rectangle balls, you know, like rip off all of your clothes, 
run loony through the woods and do the opposite of everything that they quote unquote told you you should. So what does that mean? Like go, go swim where the fishies fly, go, go play where the birds dive deep below the seas and lose yourself in the world, lose yourself where there's foreign foods and cultures and dudes and try and love of all shapes and, and colors too. And one of my favorite things that was coming up the other, instead of playing duck, duck, goose, play duck, duck, moose, right? What, what, how can you make things backwards? Eat your salad with a spoon instead of a fork, go outside and, and howl at the moon. And don't just think outside the box, be the box remover. And if you can break the rules, but first break the rulers too and say, I love you more and surrender to love too, because at some point you have to understand that it's all about forgiving everyone for everything and that everyone and everything starts with you. So slow down and enjoy something beautiful here. And that starts in the mirror. Of course, it's all laughs and love. It's all truth, no doubt. So inhale the white light and blow those resistance and fear and procrastination boogie monsters out because when you become the sun, you bypass all those clouds. And if you can flow like the ocean, you're going to wash out all of those droughts that are blocking up your emotions and, and your creativity and just stop trying so hard to figure things out because you know, what if the hokey pokey really is what it's all about? None of us really know. So <laughs> That is so awesome. <laughs> Uh, speaking of sweet ass affirmations, that is sweet ass right there. What you just read and shared with us. Um, beautiful, beautiful stuff. Well, Heath, I can't thank you enough for reaching out. And and finally, we get this podcast going. The planets align finally. And uh, now was the right time to do it. I appreciate everything you shared. Really, really good, deep stuff. And I think tons of value. So again, and by the way, people can go, you've got several websites. You've got uh, you know, heatharmstrong.com, you've got ragecreate.com, sweetassjournal.com, sellerspaceship.com, <laughs> FBA leadlist.com, which is really the Amazon, I assume, and then reliefoutings.com, right? Uh, which is relief, R E L E A F. So there's a cute little uh, cute spelling with <laughs> and, uh, You didn't have to read all the, I, I appreciate you doing that, but no, really, just, main hub. Yeah, HeathArmstrong.com is probably going to get you anywhere you need to go. I'm putting up a new site soon. And uh, Relief Outings is is my, yeah, it's a cool company that my sister and I kickstarted where we take people out into nature and teach them how to reconnect and how that can really help your life in the most magical ways. Good stuff. Cool, man. Well, okay. Thank you. And uh, again, thanks to our audience for joining us. We're always, of course, grateful and flattered that you spend time with us. And uh, until next time, take all the stuff he's brought today and let's go empower ourselves, empower the world around you. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to Empower Humans. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and review this podcast. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit empowerhumans.com. We'll catch you next time.